Welcome to our Drink a Book podcast, where we drink wine and talk about books. This is Lauren. Lynn. I'm Lee. It's Marie. And this is Joe. Welcome back to our Zoom edition of Drink a Book. We hopefully sound better today because we all upgraded and got our own microphones. So this is a very exciting day for Mm -hmm. podcasting. Yep. Yay! So unfortunately, the numbers are still ramping up and it's really just not a good idea to be in person even though we want to. So I'm here on my couch with my cat and drinking one of my favorite classics, Jester's Blush from Ferrante. Delicious. Ferrante really needs to like sponsor us at this point. Like we <laughs> always mention them. Ferrante, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> that us. would be amazing. That would be awesome. What are you all drinking? I'm drinking a wine. It's twisted and it's a Moscato and it's very good. I think this is my first time drinking a white wine. I always have been drinking cabs as we've started recording. So yay. (laughs) It's a good like, you know, middle of summer. It's a good time to be drinking like chilled sweet wine. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I'm drinking sangria, not a Riesling. You heard that correct. (laughs) Um, It's from Aldi's Winking Owl brand and it's really, really good. Like I'm drinking a sweet white wine from Hazlitt Wineries in the Finger Lakes. It's called White Cat. And I got it last year when I was in the Finger Lakes visiting. And uh, it's delicious. Highly recommend. (laughs) I love White Cat. It's very sweet and delicious. I'm drinking a sweet rosé. I got it in Michigan. I was recently in Michigan Michigan on a socially distant vacation. Um, I got this at one of their local wineries. It's called Peninsula Cellars. And the wine is called Homework because the winery is in an old schoolhouse. Oh, and that's cool. That's yeah, really it's cool. really cool. So a lot of their wines have like school themed names like mm-hmm. Homework and Detention and stuff. Mm-hmm. That reminds me, did you know that in Ohio, it's, I forget where it is, like New Philadelphia or somewhere that's like south of Canton, there's a winery called Schoolhouse Winery? Oh. I feel like that sounds kind of familiar, but I've never been there. I went there one time. It was pretty cool. It was the same thing, like in a, you know, old schoolhouse or whatever, but it was a long time ago I went there, so I don't remember if they had any kind of me type wines but I love that idea that's mm-hmm. really cool like to, to make a trip out there when we're allowed to so this month our genre was picked by Marie and it was books by authors that we've already read in book club and it was Marie's book pick too right yes mm-hmm. um which was 19 minutes by Jody Pickholt And the book that we'd already read by her was House Rules, which I think was like our second. Yeah, it was a long time ago. A really long Mm -hmm. time ago. And last time, just as a refresher, the other four of us all picked (laughs) by the same author, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. And we were very surprised that (laughs) 
Marie's book got picked. (laughs) But um, I think that it will be good for discussion. I know I have a lot to say about it. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Yes. So I just put myself on mute because one of my first notes was I said I was embarrassed that for the last 10 years plus I've been saying her last name wrong. It's not Picolt. It's It's Pico. What? What? It's French. Yes. I started listening as in Audible and they said 19 Minutes by Jodi Pico. Okay. So just disregard how I pronounced it. (laughs) I had no idea. No, I didn't either. So as a refresher, I'll just uh, recap what the book's about, reading off the back. So it says, Sterling is an ordinary New Hampshire town where nothing ever happens until the day its complacency is shattered by an act of violence. Josie Cormier, the daughter of the judge sitting on the case, should be the state's best witness, but she can't remember what happened before her very own eyes. Or can she? As the trial progresses, fault lines between the high school and the adult community begin to show, destroying the closest of friendships and families. 19 Minutes asks what it means to be different in our society, who has the right to judge someone else, and whether anyone is ever really who they seem to be. Um, So just as a reminder, uh, spoiler alert, at this point, if you don't want to hear any spoilers from the book, you should stop listening because we're going to start talking about what happens. Can I just say real quick, too, that I know we'll get into it, but that description on the back of the book gives like nothing. No. Like, when you start reading, you're like, what? Like, I had yeah. no idea that's what this mm. was about. Yeah. No. Same. I don't want to like get too far ahead already, but when we weren't recording yet, I think some of you might have been in the bathroom, but I said <laughs> to maybe it was all of you. I don't remember. But anyway, a few of us were saying how we had no idea that this book was even about a school shooting. <laughs> yeah. But I, I didn't feel know. like they probably should make that more clear because that could be like upsetting for someone who didn't know that that's what the book was about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I agree. That's kind of a, a touchy subject for some people, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Goodreads rating for 19 minutes, we have 4.13 stars. There are 297,445 ratings and 15,780 reviews. Wow. Wow. So it has been reviewed and rated quite a bit. So I have a five-star review from XXTanaXX. She says, this is a powerful read. After an act of violence is perpetrated at the local high school, those 19 minutes change a New Hampshire town forever. The writing is riveting and poignant. We are reading about the events leading up to the climax. The history of the individuals involved, their mindset, it's a lot to take in, especially because the good aren't all good and the bad aren't all bad. I think as readers, it puts us in a unique and introspective position as we're not shown only the parts that are convenient. The big picture isn't simple either. It's messy. It's emotional. It's heartbreaking. There are no winners. It makes you think about the signs you're possibly not seeing, the things you're saying or not saying for that matter. It makes you think about things done to you or things you may have done to others. Although I predicted some of what turned out to be the twist in the story, I found myself utterly drawn in by the story. The characters were dynamic and complex, layered very well. 
The plot dealt with a sensitive situation gracefully, not taking shortcuts and offering a well-rounded perspective. The writing was just stellar, an absolute win. And then she adds like a little safety note to say, there is abuse and sex that doesn't always appear to be consensual and there's a lot of physical violence. That's a good disclaimer to add because there's so many different things that could be upsetting to people in this book. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. There was a review that I actually found interesting. I didn't think about the time period of when this book was written, but in the review, I think it might have been one of my Goodreads friends who wrote a review. And this was during the time of Virginia Tech, the Virginia Tech shooting. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was just some really cool background information to know, because obviously we were all alive and knowing of that situation that was going on during that time. And it's obviously this would be a very powerful story to be reading during that time or Mm -hmm. scary, (laughs) whatever emotion you might be feeling. But Um, Virginia Tech happened after this book. Which is oh, did it? Interesting. Oh, Um, but that like, so when I was reading up on it, apparently the author based the book like loosely. Not it's not like she based it on a real story, but she studied the Columbine shootings like very heavily, and used that like as inspiration for the book. And then apparently, I think when I looked it up, I was reading this article from the Chicago Tribune that said this book was published in March. And then of the same year in April was when the Virginia Tech shooting happened, which was like really heartbreaking because the stories were really similar, I guess. So usually like fact precedes fiction, but in this case, it was the other way around where apparently the shooter of Virginia Tech like has a lot of similar qualities as the way Jody writes the main character in the book. Um, it's just really interesting. And then those were really, I mean, there have been mass shootings, you know, hundreds of them since Columbine happened, but in between Columbine and Virginia Tech, those were really the two like huge ones for that whole, you know, eight year period. And then after Virginia Tech, that kind of sparked a lot of the the additional mass ones. But I'm pretty sure Virginia Tech was like the largest mass shooting that had happened up till then. But it's just really interesting that it happened in such quick succession. And the book was written before the Virginia Tech incident. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if that was like kind of contributing to the popularity of this book like after Virginia Tech happened did more people like want to read the book I don't know maybe and I the article also said that the book was published in the UK I believe like three days before the Virginia Tech shooting so I'm sure it definitely and who knows you know because like this is another big concern with school shootings and acts of violence in general, where the perpetrators get so much attention from the media. And this book kind of does the same thing that it's like, who knows, you know, even a fictional character could potentially be giving like motivation to other 
you know, perpetrators of this kind of violence. It's just really interesting. I mean, interesting is the wrong word. I guess the word I want to use is like fucking terrible. (laughs) But, you know. So I have a one star review. This is from Janet. She says, this will most likely be the last Jodi Pico book I read. I have lost patience. This book is incredibly long, way longer than it needed to be. It centers around a Columbine-like shooting. 19 minutes is how long Peter is on his shooting rampage before he stops. Pico looks at what happened from way too many points of view. If she had concentrated on Peter and Josie, it might have been more interesting and compelling. At the end, there are no real insights no real insights into these people. As with any Pico novel, you know there is going to be a big twist at the end that is supposed to make you gasp. I waited and waited for it, then rolled my eyes. Not to mention that forensic evidence is conveniently found when the, when the Peter's trial is almost over. Really, you expect me to believe that one detective would find something that the entire police force didn't find at the time that the crime occurred? It's pretty insulting. Leave this one on the shelf and go back to the earlier Pico books that are way better written and much more compelling. The Pact and Plain Truth. Mm. Um, Wow. I also found another one-star review, and it's really long, but I just wanted to read her last paragraph because she's, like, really upset. Um, This is from Madeline, and her last sentence says, or her last paragraph goes, Yeah, you know what? Fuck you, Jody. People are only buying your damn books so they can get into the killer's head in the exact way I've described, and you're just screwing with them. Not cool. Mm. (laughs) not gonna lie i don't totally disagree with either of those reviews i don't either (laughs) i found a lot of common ground within them to be honest it's so weird because like okay so i really liked the book like even though it was long she has this way of writing every book i've read from her where she like hooks you in and makes you want to know like what's going to happen, what's going to happen. So I'm like reading it really fast, wanting to know. So like, she's really gifted in that way that like every single book she writes, she's able to do that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I had a lot of issues with Mm -hmm. the plot and, you know, topics that were going on throughout the book and character development and all that kind of stuff. So no, I agree completely. I felt the same way. Yeah, I definitely had like things I liked about it. I didn't hate reading it. Like, it was, I think, kind of, like, even though it had distressing topics, it was, like, kind of an easy read to get through Mm -hmm. for me. But I did agree with um, that first one-star review that I think it could have been shorter. Like, I don't think it needed to be Yeah, I felt like it was so long. Yeah. Parts could definitely have been cut out or shortened. Yeah. And I don't know if... Like, I partially am saying that because I only finished it a few hours ago. (laughs) I know, I finished mine last night. Yeah, but I do think it could have been shorter. But yeah, I I have a lot of other problems with it, too, that I'm sure we'll get into. It was definitely interesting, though. And like you said, it's an easy read. Once I got to the point where I found out that it was like a school shooting, I was actually a little concerned that... I might just emotionally have some issues with getting through it, but it actually was okay in that aspect. But as you said, it wasn't perfect by any means, but but it was still an enjoyable book, I think, overall. I kind of had the same thought because we already talked about I didn't know this was about a school shooting. And I think Lynn mentioned it to me like before I had even started reading it. And I was like, oh, no. And I was like, 
almost like dreading reading it because I was worried it would be like really difficult for me to read, but I didn't find that it was. I mean, it was like obviously heartbreaking and, Mm -hmm. you know, four out of the five of us work in schools and it's a subject that's close to home for all of us. But I didn't think just like her writing style made it so that like I was surprised how easy of a read it was for me. That's, I guess, like a positive I would give (laughs) for it. Can I just... Can I start on some of my sure. <laughs> problems? Yeah. yeah. So I had a problem with actually a lot of the characters, like almost all of them. I really only liked Alex. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if that's maybe even like an unpopular opinion if she wasn't supposed to be likable, but I liked her. I, I liked Alex too. I liked her. And like this might be unpopular too, but I actually liked that she like didn't feel natural at being a mother. I liked that yeah. that was kind of incorporated because I feel like I don't really read about that usually in books. The only problem I really had with her was like, I didn't think it was believable that she wouldn't have recused herself from the start. Right. Right. Everything we know about her is that she's like the utmost professional and like she's always fair and blah, blah, blah. But I think it was a little bit of a stretch that like, she would have tried to stay on the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I really didn't like any of the other characters. I was I really either. annoyed <laughs> with Peter. And like, I know we oh were supposed God. to like sympathize with him, but he was like so whiny and annoying. And like, you just killed all these people. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I had huge problems with Peter. I had like when he was five. Yeah. I had sympathy, sympathy Mm -hmm. for him with the stories of when like kids are bullying him with basically no cause, like Mm -hmm. they're just doing it to be mean. And like, he was an innocent child. But the one thing that made me so mad was what page was this on? On 402, where this was like after everything already happened, he like shot up the school, whatever, whatever. And he, I think he's talking to his lawyer and he says, you know, he's angry because he's saying everyone's talking about him like he's not even there. Like I can't even hear what they're saying about me. I'm like, oh, well, when you murder 10 people, you kind of forfeit the privilege of like, People saying good things about you to your face. Like, right, right. The fuck? And then the other thing I had a huge problem with about him was that for the majority of the book, we were led to believe that he had zero feelings for Josie. He -hmm. even said it in the book. Yes. That he had zero romantic feelings for her. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I've been in love with her the whole time. And it's like, what? Like, no. Well, there was, like, one time before that where, like, he got a boner, remember? But, like, that doesn't mean you're in love with, I don't know, that that really bothered me, too. Like, this whole time you've been saying you don't have feelings for Josie, then one day you get a boner when she's with you, and now you're like, I'm in love with you. Like, come on. (laughs) I actually thought it would have been more compelling. Like, I know he was exploring his sexuality and, like, well, he doesn't seem to have a thing for girls. Does he have a thing for guys? And it's like, no, it might have been more interesting for him to be, like, asexual or something Mm -hmm. and then, like, him coming to terms with being different and not fitting in. And it turned out that that – it wasn't – I mean, I I don't know. I just thought, like, that could be a theme that isn't in a lot of books. Yeah. Yeah. 
Good point. Was he meant to be like on the spectrum at all? Because a lot of his reactions <laughs> and social situations were just like not normal. Agree. I wonder it that seemed too. that way. They and, didn't say that, but and no. Really, we read House Rules and the character what did have autism. Yes. So, I mean, he did have some like spectrumy like characteristics, but I don't know if we were supposed to think that or not. Either that or maybe he just doesn't have a lot of friends and he doesn't, so he's just not socialized. I don't know. I mean, I guess if he was getting bullied since kindergarten, like if he wasn't well-liked, then maybe he wasn't hanging around with a lot of kids to get socialized. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it seemed like pretty telling to me when, you know, he's being characterized by his mom and his lawyer and people who know him well that like, he doesn't understand like how he appears to others. Mm-hmm. And when he took that cognitive test or whatever, and he couldn't name the emotions that people were feeling, mm-hmm. that's a huge red flag. Absolutely. Yeah, like, those yeah. to me seemed like clear signs that he might be on the spectrum. But I think that maybe she didn't mean for him to be because yeah. she didn't spell it out. I don't know. Well, kind of like you were saying, Lynn, about how he was complaining, like, everybody's talking about me or whatever. Like, he kept saying whenever Jordan would come to visit him, he would be like, this sucks. And, like, whining about, like, being in jail. But, like, what did you expect to happen? Right. Um, Right. You killed not one person, but ten. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, like you said, like, you forfeit your, you know, regular life after you kill a bunch of people. But then I also got really mad when he was, like, bullying the special needs kid that was put in his jail cell. Yes. What Mm -hmm. a dick. Yeah. Like, you're spending this whole time, like, oh, these people bullied me. Like, what would you have done? Like, trying to rationalize his behavior. And then he's doing the same thing. Like, come on. Like, he just wanted to have a little taste of that power, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, like, really interesting because – in a way, like, I do empathize, not with him as the character, but, like, with people in his situation, like, bullying mm-hmm. to this day, even though there have been, there's been a lot of progress that's been made in schools and, like, what schools are trying to do to combat bullying, it's still a huge problem. And, like, mm-hmm. I've, everybody has been bullied. Like, I was bullied, not heavily, but, like, everybody has been bullied or been the subject of bullying at some time. And, like, mm-hmm it sucks. And those incidents that happened to me, like, I still remember, you know, Mm -hmm. from like years and years ago, still like, stick out in my mind. And so obviously, it does impact you really negatively. And I did have like, just as much dislike for those characters as I did for Peter, because they were so horrible to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, As was brought up in the book, like, okay, well, everybody else who's been bullied, did you go and shoot up a school? Like, it just brings up a lot of questions about, you know, mm-hmm. what justifies, nothing justifies that behavior, but like, what gives you any kind of understanding or like sympathy or empathy for that kind of behavior? Yeah. I was just going to say, it makes me think of like their defense in the book about the battered woman syndrome and like, being a woman, like, obviously, I, I, I don't, like, feel awful that 
some women were pushed to kill their husbands if they were abusing them. So it's like, why am I somewhat understanding of that? But then like Peter goes to shoot up the school and I'm like, that's t- obviously awful. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just like a really like gray area, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you say, well, also because he wasn't just targeting his bullies either. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it. Not to say that that would have been okay, mm-hmm. but with the uh, bullied syndrome they talked about, if he had just gone straight for his bullies maybe that would be different than just shooting random other people too yeah yeah and I think that like part of my problem with it is like you were saying Lynn like obviously bullying is a huge problem and I do have a lot of empathy for people who are victims of bullying but I just don't think it was written well like I think she could have done a much better job with Peter's character and like the nuances of, you know, someone who is a victim of bullying, but also a perpetrator, you know, like, I just think she could have handled it better. And I don't feel like we ever got a true explanation of like, why did he do this? And like you were saying, why did he also hurt and kill people who weren't his bullies. Like, it just wasn't explored as well as I thought it could be. I agree. Because they mentioned his, like, PTSD defense, but they never said, like, 100%, yes, that's what it was. Or mm-hmm. why he did, you're right, why he did kill, like, all. And even his teacher, who was, like, so kind to him, yeah. he shot. Right. And, like, I don't know. This is always a sticky thing for me when – mental illness is used in this way like PTSD is a real thing and yeah it can cause like all of these problems but like most people who have PTSD don't go into a dissociative state and kill a bunch of people you know like like that is kind of problematic for me that (laughs) that was used as like the justification like well he had PTSD so like it wasn't his fault. Like, well, a lot of people have PTSD and they're still like accountable for their actions and don't kill people. Yeah. And is it realistic that he's going to go kill himself, but instead just goes and kills everyone else? Like I'm killing myself, but someone's getting in my way. So I'm going to kill you, 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 and you. That didn't seem very realistic to me. Yeah. For me, it it would be much more realistic for someone with PTSD to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have that question too. Like, why didn't, why didn't that happen? Because it seemed like he was going to, and then he didn't. Yeah. Speaking of killing themselves, why was Josie's like depression mentioned like once and then she was fine? I know. Like, what was that about? (gasps) That was weird. Right? And then it was supposed to be her diary entries, right? Yeah. And like, at first you think it's, it's Peter's. At least I did. Yeah. Oh, I just found out they were not oh, Peter's. Me so too. there we go. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I oh, thought it was Peter's. Oh, I thought it was Peter's the whole time. Me too. No, um, Lynn, I know what you're talking about. There's a, towards the end, there's a page where she pulls out her diary or whatever. Yes. And part of the entry is what had been written at the start of that section. So you what? two that Wait, were what? reading as fast as you could to get it done probably read too fast. <laughs> That's <laughs> not why. Wow. I totally missed that. Wait, what page, what page is this? Oh, like? my goodness. Um, I don't know. Let's see if we can find it. This is just like last episode where I didn't know about the stupid, like, fight that happened. I can't oh remember. God, it's it's the end. End. 
Uh, I don't I remember re- Josie having her diary out and she like stashed it really quick because her mom came in. Was that when I was supposed to pick up on it? I don't even Wasn't remember. it around then? It was around then that she, they show like what she was writing and it matched one of the entries they had had mm-hmm. on what? one of the standalone Well, pages. maybe if this book wasn't so long, I wouldn't have been <laughs> rushing to finish it. So <laughs> I think I like, I don't even remember Josie writing in a diary. I must have like totally skipped over that. It was, I can't remember when it happened. Okay, we're going to find it here. Oh, this here, I found, I found her, the page where her thing is, 299. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I was nowhere <laughs> even close. I thought this was, like, late in the book. 299? I thought it was late in the book, too, but it turns out it's not as late as I thought. On 299, she's um, at her section, um, has the diary entry, and then oh, she heard the knock, she took that her is when and she shoved it. Yeah, and then that was, like, the beginning of that chapter section, I think. How do you even remember that? Oh, wow. I totally missed that. Um, Well, I think I remembered it because that part of the entry, I think, is completely bogus. Like, I remember when I read it as the standalone diary entry, because it says, as a random kid today, if she wants to be popular, and she'll tell you, oh, ask a random kid today if she wants to be popular. And she'll tell you no, even if the truth is that if she was in a desert dying of thirst and had the choice between a glass of water and instant popularity, she'd probably choose the latter. Which I'm like, okay, no. No, she wouldn't. No. And so, like, I remembered that as the standalone thinking, that's stupid. And so then when I read it here, it just connected that. I felt like there were some hints, though, throughout the book, because in the beginning of the book, you know, there was the whole thing with Alex and Josie, where Josie, no, Alex, she's trying to get her to eat. So when I was like, is she anorexic? Mm -hmm. That she only wants to drink coffee, and she's throwing out her food, like, I don't understand. And then once she got to school, she started talking about how no one knows who she really is and who she is on the inside. She's only putting up a front of what she's supposed to be and how she's supposed to act, you know, wearing Abercrombie and Fitch and having the right boyfriend and acting the right way. And I mean, all of that kind of relates to that comment in her journal. Yeah. And I was kind of confused by that. Like you said, Marie, how she kept saying, you know, nobody knows who I really am. And she was alluding to the fact that she had this secret. And I'm assuming that was like, was the secret that, her boyfriend was like abusing her or was the secret Mm -hmm. just that she felt like she was pretending? I don't know. It was hard for me to tell like what the substance of that was. And then depending on what it was, it seemed like her biggest problem throughout the book that she was like internally conflicted about was that she felt like she wasn't being herself. But Mm -hmm. to me, that doesn't seem like a reason to want to kill yourself. No. I thought that the secret that she was talking about was that like she was faking and that she wasn't like she was just pretending to be that person is that that's that's what I thought too but yeah I did think there would be some more exploration about like because there was hinting at the fact that maybe she had an eating disorder and like there was a small part where Matt kind of like shamed her for wanting to eat French yeah, fries. Yeah, fuck you, Matt. I'm so tired of that guy. Oh, God. I, Matt is the fucking worst. He was terrible. <laughs> it was almost like it was all tied to like her need to be popular. 
When did she mention, I know it was early on, but was that like, was that after the shooting already? Like, is that why she was upset? Because of what we know at the end of the book that she knew? No, because no. I remember at the beginning, it was like the morning of yeah. the shooting. They were like alluding to all okay. of this. But like she was so depressed. So she wasn't upset about the shooting at that point. No. Okay. Yeah, she, was she had making, the pills. Yeah. Yeah. And there were like comments that like her mom didn't even know like anything. Mm-hmm. And like, I thought that there was going to be more like exploration of that. I don't mm-hmm. know. So on the topic of Josie, I, now that I'm like hearing back what I was just saying and what we were just talking about, I feel like it could come across that I'm doing a lot of victim blaming and I really don't want that to be the case. Like, I feel like my problem is really with how Jody kind of portrayed Josie's character. Like, I can easily see how all of the issues that were going on with her could have like overlapped to create that kind of like response you know Mm -hmm. or like an eating disorder depression all of that stuff like I think is completely warranted obviously for someone who's being abused by their significant other and like you know she was dealing with like everybody who's in high school deals with like click issues and friend issues and bullying in some way and all of that stuff like I can see how all those things would contribute. It just felt like Jody did not the author did not make that clear in her writing is I guess right how I feel about it. I feel like my biggest issue is that it was mentioned in like one sentence and then never brought up again, even though there is plenty of more like traumatic issues that she dealt with. Yeah, and I know I kinda already said this, but I feel like the author attributed most of it to Josie wanting to be popular and being afraid that she wouldn't be popular anymore when I thought there were all of these other like traumatic experiences for her, like being in an abusive relationship and having an unplanned pregnancy and whatever, like all of these other factors that weren't really talked about in relation to her being depressed, which kind Mm -hmm. of bothered me. But I did think that Josie's character was relatable. Like, it was maybe a little extreme, but, like, I definitely did things I regret to, like, people that I liked because I wanted to be perceived as cool or, you know, whatever. So I I did relate to her, like, wanting to be popular. And even though, like, I didn't like a lot of her behavior... I think that it's very realistic and understandable f- for teenagers to act like that. But yeah, I wanted more about like why why she was depressed and like her suicide ideation and like maybe having an eating disorder. Like like you said, Lauren, it was just kind of like glossed over mm-hmm. and we didn't really get any more about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's so easy as grown adults to be like, why would you do that? That's so Mm -hmm. whatever. And you're right, Lee. Like when I was in high school, I did a lot of really dumb shit that like I'm, I regret like the way I treated people and, you know, so like I get it. And I also wondered too, like the way I'm perceiving Peter and the way I'm perceiving Josie, like 
I, in some ways I feel like it brings up this layer of privilege I had growing up. Like I grew up with a set of parents who were like extremely supportive and extremely involved and like provided me with the emotional support and the, like everything I needed basically, you know, and Mm. like these characters in the book were clearly lacking some of that in their home lives, as well as obviously what was going on at school. That's like a whole other conversation is whether the mother is to blame for Peter, whatever, like so much of the way high school kids act is based on their peer situations and not so much about their home situations. But anyway, it just brought up for me, like, you know, they were in situations that in a lot of ways are not the situation I was in, you know? I was totally thinking that too. Like I was finding myself very aggravated with all the teenagers. Like I felt it compared to my high school experience was like nothing that I had really encountered, but like I was, I'm an only child. Like my parents are always like there for me. Like I was like, you know, they cared about what was going on. Like I told them things. I was always a scaredy cat to like get into trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, guess maybe this is just a side of things that maybe I was privileged to not see. A lot of this reminded me of the book that we read, 13 Reasons Why. Just mm. the dysfunctional high school experience, you know? I mean, in that book, there was so much that I, I didn't have that experience, but it happens. People experience it. People experience different levels of bullying. I didn't experience that level of bullying, but I know it happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know where, but I know it happens. And I mean, we're reading all these stories. So, I mean, this was just, for me, it was like, wow, that really sucks that there's high schoolers that ha- they have to go through this at such a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not fair and it's terrible. But. Yeah. And depending on your support system and your, your yeah, like mental... I I don't know the word I'm looking for of like the status of your mental health at that time can make a huge impact in how you respond to it and how you internalize it. Absolutely. Yeah. And then thinking of like Josie's relationship with Matt, obviously, like I feel like we're picking a lot on Josie and Peter because they were more of the main characters, but obviously like I disliked Matt and Drew and all of these other characters like way more than I disliked Josie. Mm-hmm. Or even Peter. Like, Matt was a horrible person. And, you know, he was abusive. He was manipulative. He was a bully. Like, he was just an awful character. It was almost, like, a little too... He was a little, like, too evil. I know I've said that before about other characters. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't really have any nuance to him at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, like, obviously that wasn't Josie's fault. That like he was abusive, abusive towards her. And I could see that like, if that was me, when I was that age, I didn't know what I know now. And, you know, I could see like maybe myself getting in a situation like that and being in a relationship like that. So obviously not like blaming Josie for any of that. Right. I just, yeah, I had problems with the way it was addressed by the author. Mm Mm-hmm. When even Peter's brother, Joey, like he was so unlikable, but then his parents and everyone seemed to think he was this great kid and and that maybe he was, but the side of him we saw from Peter's perspective was terrible. Yeah. He was bullying him, not treating him nicely. 
Yeah. Right. Just not nice to him at all. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did wish there was a little bit more like complexity and nuance to some of the characters. Like mm-hmm. I liked the overall premise. Like I felt like one of the themes was that there's not, you know, good and bad and black and white. Like mm-hmm. people can do both good and bad things. You can be a victim and a perpetrator but I wish that that was applied more to some of the other characters. Like we already said, that wasn't really true for Matt. That wasn't really true for Joey. Mm -hmm. Like I wish that we had seen some more complexity in those characters and that, that like that idea maybe could have been like addressed a little bit differently. And I did, I wanted to know more about the victims. Like we spent so much time on Peter Mm-hmm. And Josie, I would have liked to have more of the story focused on the victims and like what the aftermath looked like for them and mm-hmm. how that affected their lives. Like, I feel like that was only very briefly addressed. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. For me, it was really interesting going back to Peter's parents and like their role that they played and I'm like conflicted on how I feel about it you know like I mean some of the stuff they did like yeah what the fuck were you thinking (laughs) but like in other ways it's like so much blame usually gets put on especially the mother and it's like was she at fault like no she's not the one who shot up the school but like it's just really interesting for me thinking about the roles they played and like what they could have done differently and you know it just brings up a lot of conflicting feelings on my part, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I don't think it, I don't think it's the parent's fault if someone becomes a murderer, but it was interesting how she incorporated like the community essentially like shunning Lacey Mm -hmm. because of her kid, you know, what her kid did. I don't think it was her fault, but I also didn't really like her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think she was kind of problematic. And yeah, like you said, like some of the things they did, it was like, what the fuck? Like (laughs) giving your five-year-old a gun and showing him how to take it apart and put it back together. Like what? What? Yeah. Well, even like they didn't seem that upset when him and Josie had the gun in the basement and like didn't seem to understand why Alex was like, Josie's never coming over here again. And I was very surprised by that. Yeah, and like yeah. there was no follow up with him about like why that was inappropriate and unacceptable and unsafe. Like that's not how you handle that situation. And then like the mom, when the bullying was happening, how Lacey's way to address it was to tell Peter that she's gonna punish him if he doesn't yeah, fight I back. To bring I up, I was like, what? But that was what the teacher told her to do. I know, and like, like. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like, it. that's another thing that's conflicting because in some ways, like, that's what a lot of parents do in a little bit of like a different approach. But I hear this all the time with families of kids in my class where they, like, I'm teaching the kids, you don't fight violence with violence. Like, you use your words or you, you know if you try to solve the problem on your own and it didn't work, then you get a teacher to help you intervene. But what the parents often tell their kids is like, if somebody hits you, you hit them back. Like, you know? And so it is like a common thing. And then like the teacher in the story, how she kind of told 
Lacey, this is basically what he's going to have to do to survive. Like that is also a really true thing, especially when you get to be in middle school and high school, like just that's the way the system is. Like, like we talked about earlier, bullying is such a huge problem and our public schools are not, we're still not at that point where we're able to address it in an effective way. Well, and now, like, I don't know if this was true whenever this book was written, but now legally schools have to have anti-bullying policies in place, but that doesn't mean that they're effective, you know, or that like staff always knows about it, especially when you get into cyberbullying and that kind of thing. Like it's, it's really hard to have an effective you know, systemic program to address bullying in schools. So it is a big issue. But yeah, the way, the way that they dealt with it, like Lacey saying she was going to punish him if his lunchbox got stolen again or whatever. It was like, what? Right. And I just had had one to say about Lacey. When she found heroin in Joey's room, And then, like, because of that, she purposely never went in Peter's room because she was scared of what she'd find. Like, I thought that was ridiculous. What? What? As a parent, I would be looking through Peter's room because if I found heroin in Joey's room, then I'd be like, "All right, every time the other my other son is gone, I'm going to look at his room to make sure that he's not doing anything bad or anything he shouldn't be doing." Why are you afraid? That should be like a huge red flag and like a trigger to you that like, oh, I actually need to be supervising and monitoring them more, not less. Like what the fuck kind of parenting is that? That was like, I was like, what? When I read that, just like, it's a little maybe unbelievable. I don't know. Sometimes you would think that Lacey was Alex because Alex came off where she was saying that she she's not the perfect parent. She isn't a very good parent. She didn't originally think she was having a child, you know, and just, I mean, I feel like Alex in a way did a better job than Lacey did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was interesting to me too. Maybe it just wasn't like brought up enough in the book or maybe I missed it, but I felt like Alex did have like open lines of communication with Josie and Josie just sort of wasn't I felt the same way too. Okay. So that was like a strange thing that was, didn't seem very realistic to me that Josie felt like totally closed off from her mom. Uh, Yeah. I felt like Alex was, I mean, I liked Alex, so I may have been a little biased, but I felt like she really didn't do anything wrong. She was like trying to talk to her and she would make her food and like, be like, I'm open if you want to talk to me. And Josie was like, no, and just like was a brat. (laughs) Yeah, but then again, that's also a typical teenager. Right. You know, at that age, regardless of whether you have a good parent or a bad parent, everyone goes through that phase where they're like, I don't want to talk to you. But then your parent tells you something and you're like listening, but then you're still mean to them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if maybe part of that was to kind of contrast like what the expectations for parents are. Like, did Alex think she was a bad parent because – she was always at work and like, you know, society expects moms to be more like, quote, involved or whatever, sort of like Lacey was. But then it kind of showed that like, that didn't end up mattering 
really good point actually I didn't really think of that when I was reading yeah I didn't either yeah because Lacey was more like I mean I felt like she tried to be kind of hands-on with Peter like almost Mm -hmm. too much and then Alex was kind of or at least Josie wasn't listening to Alex and then she turned out somewhat okay yeah it made me really think as you know someone that doesn't have kids of like oh my gosh look that's scary thinking about having these teenagers like and just how do you communicate with them? How do you get them to tell you things? Like all of that is tricky. You something I never really thought about mm-hmm. from that parent perspective. Sorry. Yeah. And I think like sometimes no matter what a parent does, like Alex tried to have open communication with Josie and yeah, like sometimes teenagers are just not going to be responsive and it doesn't matter what their parent tries to do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've heard that as a stat before that, like when you get to be a certain age, like middle school or high school or whatever, your peers have a bigger influence on your behavior yeah. than your parents do. I believe that. Whatever. <laughs> so like so much is out of your control when you're the parent, you know, in a lot of ways. Did anyone else notice the Alex and Alexandra discrepancy? <laughs> I read a review with someone talking about that. Mm-hmm. I swear someone brought it up. So. What? Okay, the whole book, like she's called Alex, and there's one point I made a note of it. On page 168, she highlighted that Alex is not short for Alexandra. Yeah, I remember. But on page 26, on a form for the birthing class, it clearly states Alexandra Cormier. Yes, it does. I must have misread it. I thought she said it was a nickname for Alexandra. Unless I no, misread she it. said it wasn't. Because oh. her dad, like, wanted to have a boy or whatever. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. What page 168. On the bottom, Alex was not short for Alexandra. Her father had simply given her the name of the son he would have preferred to have. But then oh. if you look on page 26, oh. on her arms it says Alexandra and I like went back because I knew I had remembered it and so I went back searching for where it said Alexandra and then I kept expecting that to be like brought up again I was like well did she purposely write Alexandra or did like Lacey write it on accident because she didn't know her name was Alex like I really thought it was going to be addressed because it was like so clearly emphasized that Alex was not short for Alexandra great I think it was maybe just a mistake error yeah i had not even noticed that (laughs) either i didn't either i'm just like a weird detail oriented person charlie again (laughs) (laughs) something about names okay so i had a problem with it that at the ending it was just like a happy ending with alex and patrick we got like two sentences about josie going to prison for five years but then just like Patrick and Alex are, like, happily ever after with a new baby on the way? Like, yep. what? This is one, another one of my issues with this yeah. book. Yeah. Like, what? Like, what? Like, you really spend 450 pages on Josie and Peter, and then and they're, not. they're just gone? Yeah. <laughs> right. If you had read the ending, you would think this was, like, a love story, which it was. <laughs> it, it's Patrick and Alex holding hands on the cover. That's yeah. it. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. It was just like there was nothing about like 
any of the, you know, the fallout or whatever from Josie going to prison. It was just like a very brief mention of her getting five years and then like, Mm -hmm. but Alex and Patrick are like, you know, everything's rainbows and butterflies and there's a new baby on the way. Like, I didn't like that. No, I hated that. I didn't think the book was ending. The end I was listening to, like the last two chapters, I think I was listening on the Audible and I thought I missed, I went back to the book and I was like, mm-hmm. there's no way that's the end. Where, where's the other page? Yeah. With, with how long this book was and all the details we had, the last bit of the book was so glossed over I would I would have almost rather had another like 50 pages right because it felt like it ended too fast and we didn't have the details but we had all these insignificant details throughout the whole rest of the book and she just gets tired of writing she's like yeah this is good enough <laughs> yeah she's like, wrap it up here my my things due to the publisher so <laughs> I did see people talking about that in the reviews. Like I was looking at some of the more negative reviews just to see what people had to say. And some people were saying it just seems like she just writes all these books on like these controversial mm-hmm. topics and the reason why they're not actually that good that some people think are not that good is because she's just like on these quick timelines to just push a book out and get a bunch of money for it, you know? has so many books so that would yeah so that's what some people were saying who who didn't like the book very much but I've only read I think like three of her books I think I just read this one house rules and my sister's keeper Hmm. and like some I could see in some books it makes sense to have an abrupt ending because Mm -hmm. the purpose is to make the reader like come to your own conclusions but this Mm -hmm. was not that no (laughs) so what did you think about Josie shooting Matt. I kind of thought that was what was going to happen at one point. Same. But I don't know. It just like, I know they were building up how like abusive he was, but it still just seemed out of the blue because she was still talking about like she wasn't into Peter at all, even as like his friend. I was actually surprised. (laughs) I was surprised. I didn't figure out that that was what was going to be happening. Um, But I was also surprised that she did that. I wouldn't have expected her. Mm -hmm. I was expecting something to be revealed in the trial because I just felt that the fact that Peter just shot 10 kids just because he was on his way to kill himself, that didn't sound accurate to me. You know, it, I felt like something, there had to be something that happened in all of that. So I was anticipating something to be out of the original story, but I didn't know that's what it would be. Wasn't he specifically on his way to to kill like Courtney and Drew and Matt? Or or did they say that he definitely meant to kill himself? Well, I don't remember where it was, but I think it was in his interview. They mentioned, he said that he was killing his biggest enemy or... I forget the wording. I don't know if you guys remember mm-hmm. that part, but and his, yeah, it was like the one he hated the most, which was yeah. himself. Yes, I guess so, I'm thinking of that like PTSD conversation the doctor had, where they said how he was triggered from seeing like the email again, and that made like the threat real to him. So that's why he went that morning to go like kill everyone. I guess I'm just confused onto what his actual yeah 
I'm confused about it too. I don't think it was ever really explained because right. we were led to believe, like you said, Marie, that he ultimately wanted to kill himself because he hated himself the most. But then we mm-hmm. never really got an explanation of like, did he meet, like, did he plan to kill all those other people? Did he specifically want to kill Drew and Matt and Courtney? Like, mm-hmm. why did he kill the other people that didn't bully him too? Right. I felt like maybe he did because um, when they mentioned the yearbook and how he would circled everyone, and then it came through that, um, oh, he used that for his video game. But then why would he have written Let Live by Josie? Because he would have just been like, cross her off and be like, don't use her in the game. Not like Let Live, right? I thought that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like he didn't have all of the kids that he killed on there, did he? Like he wasn't that girl with special needs and like no. other that he didn't even know right because he just found them in the bathroom i think right yeah, i don't he, like walked into the girl's bathroom and just like killed that girl mm-hmm. yeah and he shot the zoe who was on like on the yeah. steps or something yep. mm-hmm. wasn't it was it zoe or Haley? i think zoe was on the steps because i don't yeah. remember yeah. that Haley was in Haley was the one of the popular girls wasn't she yeah yeah was so was it Zoe, the one that was interviewed, where she, they asked her if she knew Peter? And she yeah. said, no, I didn't even know. And then yeah. mm-hmm. she shot her in the leg. Yeah. 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 Okay. He was on the way to her um, honest appointment. But yeah, like, if his ultimate plan was to kill himself, and I felt like they kept going back to that, like, well, he meant to kill himself or whatever, then like, why would he bring all those guns to school? Right. Like, he could have easily killed himself somewhere else. And why did you like, have to do it at school? Yeah. You know that it will either first create a big scene, unless maybe that's what, maybe he wanted his classmates to find him. That's the only thing I could think of is why you would want to kill yourself at school when you can easily do it at home. But he also set off, like, the bombs in the car and stuff. Like, that doesn't fit with any of that. Right. And that doesn't fit with something that, like, wasn't planned yeah. or whatever. That right. He did a whole bunch of research to find out how to make yes. like, the bomb. So and that part it. doesn't fit last minute. No. And he said in his interview that he thought everything through. He thought it in his head. He had everything planned by the minute. How did you have it planned by the minute? Because none of it makes sense. <laughs> like, it just doesn't match up. Well, his thought process, though, throughout the book doesn't make sense. So maybe no. that's his weird maybe To him, it made sense. But it doesn't to any of us. I don't know. And, like, the cereal thing, like him just eating cereal in the cafeteria. That was creepy. Yeah. yeah. I found yeah. that. I just envisioned him... That almost made him seem worse than he was. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the fact that you can kill a bunch of people and then just casually eat four bites or however many bites they said of Rice Krispies in the cafeteria and then pick up your gun again and then start shooting people. That's like serial killer level. Like, yes. yeah. would you not have like adrenaline rushing through you? Like you're really going to swallow cereal? Right. I was just right. going to say like to me – that is not PTSD. That is like antisocial no. personality yeah. disorder. Like, yes. 
a psychopath, basically. Yeah. Like that was like bone chilling. Like, Listen, we have like true crime podcasts now, Jody. <laughs> so we're not fooled by whatever you're trying to pull in your book from 2008. Okay? <laughs> but I guess I don't know. Like, according to her, Jody, were we supposed to believe that he was in a dissociative state, or were we just supposed to like decide for ourselves? You know. That's like, why I'm yeah. so frustrated. Like, she just wrote all this stuff and then didn't explain it. And that's yeah. so lazy to me. Like, don't yeah. spend 20 minutes talking to me about Jordan and Selena and their baby Sam and then not tell me about your main character. Yeah. There's oh. so many good qualities of this book, but it's not done correctly. Yeah. Like, I think it had a lot of potential with, like, the topics and – you know, the premise and everything, but yeah, it's just not executed well. No, I feel like there are too many loose ends. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that it, like we kind of already said, it's really, it was really good for me and for like the general public to think of the nuances of all these things. And like, you know, like the people who are good are not always good. And, you know, like there's more, there's shades of gray that, And it brings up the problem of bullying and the problem of parenting and, you know, like all of those things are things that like over 10 years later have still not been solved and they're still very relevant. Like think of how many school shootings we've had since then. Yeah. So I do like it for that aspect. Like it does really make you think and like, you know, have some understanding or at least try to empathize with different perspectives and like where people are and kind of recognize like your privileges or like motives that are beyond your own vantage point, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I did have issues (laughs) with the book too, obviously. Yeah. And going back to Lauren, when you asked about Josie killing Matt, I don't know. I feel like it was kind of a stretch. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, he was abusive, but she was still, like, in love with him, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. And I kind of just feel like she knew she wanted, like, a twist. Right. So she just kind of, like, threw that in. That's all right. I did wonder, kind of like you said, Marie, like, okay, it feels like it's leading up to Josie has something to do with this in some way. Like, I thought, was it going to be that, like, Maybe Peter had told her that he I was totally it. wondering that too. Yeah. Or like, d- yeah, I even wondered if just was the secret she was worried about coming out just that like her and Peter were kind of friends like at work or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, was, I, I that- was surprised though. Like I did not see it coming that she was the one who shot him. I didn't either. I, I actually, I was that part of that trial, I was listening to it on the audible and I fell asleep and woke up at like four o'clock in the morning and it was still going. Oh <laughs> and I, I was reading and I continued to read. And then it was like, Josie is now going to jail for five years. I was like, what? Why? <laughs> Wait, what? I, I totally skipped oh my over gosh. that part. So I had to go back and I'm like, wait a second. Last time I saw Peter, it was all Peter. And how did it, how did we switch to mm. Josie now? That's really funny. But for me, I felt, unless I missed something, but 
I felt like the whole time she, Josie wasn't standing up to Matt at all. You know, obviously he was a terrible boyfriend, but she, I mean, yeah, we talked about how she was saying no and she was telling him to stop, but not like really stand up to him or break up with him or whatever, you know? I feel like that would have been a little extreme to just point a gun at him and shoot him. Well, I thought that it was supposed to be that Josie had battered woman syndrome. Like that, I thought it was like, by the time we got to that point, it was like, oh, she's been in this abusive relationship with this guy who she tried to stand up to, but unsuccessfully. And he was clearly gaslighting her in the entire book. Mm-hmm. manipulating her into not standing up to him. Like, I thought, I guess I wondered, were we supposed to then see that this battered woman syndrome was really supposed to be portraying her and what she went through? And so then when she had access to a way out, you right. know, that she That's really smart. I in. didn't make that connection until <laughs> just now. Oh. I did good job, Lynn. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just, I read, I've taken a new approach these days. I've started the books like really early to give myself a lot of time. So I think that's why I like had time to think about it. So <laughs> that's, I don't know. That's what I thought. No, that makes I sense. Like at that point in the novel, instead of Josie shooting Matt, I feel like it would have been a better twist if Josie was like an accomplice with Mm -hmm. Peter because there were already you know Peter and Josie they were you know Peter would come up to her and they would talk that could have been them talking about their plan for the big shooting Mm -hmm. you know and then the letter and then maybe they were maybe Josie was like secretly in a relationship with Peter I mean obviously that would have been like a lot of other layers of that (laughs) but but I, I don't know. I felt like maybe that would have been a better twist. Or even if she like didn't stand in Peter's way, not that she mm-hmm. shot him herself, but that she was just like, hmm. yeah. <laughs> like no big loss. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> but. And I, I didn't think about this before, but now that we're talking about it, I'm wondering, is that if he was, if Peter was going to kill himself, is that then why he didn't? Because he saw Josie shoot Matt and so then he kind of like rethought things oh maybe maybe because he then he felt like they were friends again because he told Jordan that he didn't say anything because now they were friends again maybe yeah that actually makes sense and he felt like Jordan was his friend at the end too which made me feel really sad that I don't know he just like going going back to what I said earlier about like possibly being on the spectrum where he was kind of in, misinterpreting maybe his lawyer's role and he was like oh like we're friends type yeah. of thing. I guess one thing also that I didn't like about it was that at least I think like a lot of the research I've seen is that a lot of times kids who do this sort of thing don't have any friends like even just having one friend is like a huge protective factor for this Mm -hmm. kind of thing and he did have a friend he was friends with Derek so like I don't know I thought maybe it would have been a little more believable if maybe like Josie was his only friend and then she kind of ditched him and then he had zero friends yeah I mean I know that's not to say that like 
someone who has a friend could never do this, but it's like not as common if someone does have like a connection with somebody. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting too. I liked the one victim who wrote him that letter and had Mm -hmm. said like, I would have wanted to be your friend. Like Mm -hmm. that also brings up this whole other. I forgot about that. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, that's so true. There are so many kids in school who feel like isolated in some way and just Mm -hmm. want to like have a connection with someone. And it Mm -hmm. just is sad that like, you know, all he had to do was like ask or approach her. It kind of made me think of like, definitely not to victim blame, but also there's a point of like helping yourself a little bit at some point where like maybe if you look up a little bit and stop feeling so bad about things, you'll realize there's other people who like are good and would help you and would be friends with you. But he was so focused on like all the awful stuff that was happening. Yeah. And it's like, it's so ironic because his mom, who her whole thing with with punishing him, whatever, if he didn't stand up for himself, she was trying to teach him that. She was trying to teach him advocacy. She just Mm -hmm. didn't go about it in the right way. But like, that is what will help you in these situations if you know how to like advocate for yourself Mm -hmm. in some way. I was trying to think, uh, speaking about that letter, like what would I have thought? And I don't think I would have been writing a letter like that. I thought that that was very inspiring from Angela that she was able to even write that to him. Mm -hmm. I'm having trouble with my rating because I originally, I know I already saw all of your ratings, but I originally rated it a four and I rated it. I really, it's that whole like in between stage. Goodreads, you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) 3.5 because I rated it higher, not for the, the content of the book and the work of the book of Jody. It was more of, I, there was a lot I didn't like about it. So it made me so engaged in the book if that makes sense. But then I'm like, but maybe that's not a reason to give it a four. I feel like I need to put, to write a review to explain my rating because I rated it higher because there was a lot I didn't like about it. Wait, I'm confused. <laughs> because the more that I don't like about it, the more engaged I am because I'm like, well, Matt, you're stupid. Or, you know, like there's a lot, like it really, I felt engaged through it throughout. You've said that before, that that's how you rate books. And that's very different than how I rate them. But I can, I understand it. It's just different than (laughs) how I rate In terms of your rating, I would probably give it a three. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll do two ratings now. (laughs) I think you just rate it what makes sense to you. Yeah. I'll just write a review to explain my my thoughts. (laughs) It does have really high ratings. Like, I know every, all of my friends on Goodreads, which most of my friends on Goodreads aren't really my friends in real life. They're like people (laughs) I knew in high school, (laughs) but all of their ratings were five and they were like, this was the best book I've ever read. It's amazing. But then again, they read it in high school. So did they say when they read it? Like, was it recently or was it? No. Most of their ratings were from like when I was in high school with them. That makes more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I gave it a three. 
I always try to rate books like right after I finish because I'm really excited, but sometimes I need to let my feelings like marinate a little bit. So I did rate it a three because I knew I wasn't going higher than that. But today I added a slight review that said three, but bordering on 2.5 stars. Because the more I thought about it, the more I thought about like the issues I have with it. And just from the get go, I'm just not a fan of her writing style. Like I feel like I know we've touched on this, like all the characters are very basic and like I don't like her dialogue I feel like some of it's very like unrealistic and just like weirdly written and I definitely was interested in finding out what happened I'm just not a fan of like her writing style yeah I gave it a three I I agree like I agree with both Lauren and Marie you know like I had problems with it but for me, it was a really engaging read and like, I really wanted to know what happened. And, mm-hmm. and so like, I give her points for that. Like, even though I have a lot of issues with her writing style, I also think that like, she has a very talented writing style. Cause like, she has this way that she hooks you in. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like that a lot with my sister's keeper. And it's been a long time since I read it, but I remember when I read it, I like loved that book and like could not put it down. And it just is amazing to me and impressive to me that she's able to do that in so many books. Yeah, I agree. I also gave it a three for similar reasons. Just, I was engaged. I read it quickly. Um, yes, there were problems, but overall, I mean, I wanted to know what happened and I wasn't like putting it down and not coming back to it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think that that's a three for me. I also gave it a three out of five. Yeah, same thing. I was engaged most of the time. Um, there were things I liked about it, but a lot of things I didn't like about it. After this conversation, I'm almost thinking I'm more in the camp of Lauren, like ordering on as 2.5. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I just have like too many problems with it to mm-hmm. make up for the things that I liked about it. Mm-hmm. But I know I already said this, but it was like an easy to read like quick mostly quick book like it's not to say that I wouldn't recommend that someone else would read it it's just that like Mm -hmm. I had a lot of problems with it um maybe equally as important um now that we've had some time to sample our wines how are we liking our wines tonight so good 10 out of (laughs) 5 wow (laughs) samezies (laughs) I would agree with that one. 10 out of (laughs) 5. I know I love my wine tonight too, so I guess I'm also going that 10 out of 5. Yeah, I'll also give my wine a 10 out of 5. It's very good. (laughs) So at least we all agree tonight on our wine choices. (laughs) I do miss like... I know it's fine that we have our own wines and stuff, but don't you miss when we get to be together and we're all having the same wine? It's just a dynamic, you know? Yeah. Why are you making us sad? (laughs) (laughs) The lot we miss. (laughs) Well, maybe it's a positive too that like, I really like when we're together. Like you guys mean a lot to me and I like it when we can do book clubs together. Oh, I miss it. But One day. It's cool. I'm, you know, I'll make the best of it and drink my you know, 10 star wine. It's, it's fine. It's, it's for the best. So, do we recommend the book? I feel Maybe. like. 
So I don't know. On the fence, I'd say ultimately read it, and then it it does make you be a critical reader. Yes, for sure. And I actually enjoy that when we have books that we have a lot to say that we don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, a lot of times when you really like the book, you're like, oh, it's great. And we've always said that we've wanted to read a book that we didn't like. Yeah, it's definitely good for book club discussions. Yes. Have yeah. one where at least somebody doesn't like it or doesn't like something about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we recommend the book to, you know, read it and then think whatever you want to think about it. And we yeah. clearly recommend go out and buy these five wines. <laughs> and, and that's that. Well said. (laughs) So has anyone been reading any other good books? I just reread Fever Dream last night. I saw that you rated that on your Goodreads. Yeah. What did you rate it? A four. I think that's why I rated it. Yeah, I rated I was like, I it could have been a four, four point five. But I, I, I like that one. And it's so short. Like I literally, I read it after I showered. It was like my bedtime story. <laughs> oh, that's a rough yeah, bedtime I mean, story. I don't know that I would read that before bed. <laughs> you know, well, I would, I didn't like, it wasn't like lights out bedtime story. It was like, I probably started like right after dinner mm-hmm. and then I turned on the audible while I was in the shower so I could continue listening to it. And then when I got out, then I was reading it. And then I didn't go to bed until I finished it. Right. I just want to say I'm like fascinated by the method in which you consume books. Like I can't, I can't like wrap my brain around like reading it and then listening to it. Yeah. I can't do it. Well, let's just say I don't want to be this way, but (laughs) since I do a lot of photo edits and my life is consumed with different things, I had, in order for me to read books, I have to be so scattered like this. I really don't like this at all. Like, I don't. I'm not saying there's a problem with it. I'm just (laughs) saying that, like, I can't imagine doing it but it feels like a very marie thing like (laughs) i'm not like surprised that's how you do it (laughs) yeah there it's it's interesting because i actually like in our last in this past book i missed out on a big portion of the book because i've been listening to it also on my if i say her name she's going to turn a color you know that device (laughs) from amazon (laughs) yes Uh say her name and she will do what you want i have one of those and she also reads my audible so but when i play her audible when when she plays audible i can also play it for my phone so sometimes it gets confusing because i don't know where i left off because I'll switch from my Alexa to my phone to my car to my book. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, but I get books read. So. <laughs> as long as it works for you. It, it, the books are read. <laughs> That's all I can say. The books are finished. Yeah, so I finished Fever Dream yesterday, and then I finished Diary of a Wimpy Kid, the first book, 
Now, the process of reading the series is going to be super slow since I'm not in my classroom. I have some books there. I just ordered, or I just, there was some girl on Facebook Marketplace, and I got like seven or eight books for $20. Oh, so nice. I can now oh. go on to the second book because the second book was in my classroom. Um, so I'm starting that one. I start. I don't know whose book this was, but someone recommended this book. It was the Total Cat Mojo. We were talking about cats. Oh, yeah. I oh. bought the book and I started reading it because I was oh. ordering stuff for my cat and on Chewy and it came up. I was like, oh, I want to read that. So then I added it to my Chewy order. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I actually really like it. I was surprised. Well, not surprised, but I like it more than I thought I was going to. Hmm. Yeah. And then I told you guys I'm reading the Alice Network right now. And then I have like two other, I, this is probably another Marie thing. I read seven books at a time and I'm like, I feel like reading a chapter of the Alice Network. I'm going to read a chapter of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I'm going to read a chapter of the Total Cat Mojo. And then I'm reading this book about teaching. And then I'm reading another book about teaching. And then I'm reading this mindfulness book. Yep, that's <laughs> like everything. I can relate to that. If you've seen my now reading list or my currently reading, I have like 20 books on there. Like okay. stuff I haven't touched in like a year. Mm, but I'm still counting it because like I'm still reading it. I just haven't gone. Like I'm interested. There's just other stuff that's like yes. more pressing. In yeah. Front. I've probably mentioned that elephant book like 20 times. Oh, yeah. It's it's that book that just sits there. It's in the pile and I read one chapter and I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to continue reading this. So I read one chapter and then it just sits there for like another year, but it's still good. <laughs> Well, I'm, like, the total opposite of how I read books. I, like, want to, like, sit down with a book and totally be immersed in it and, like, only that. And I'm also – I don't really watch a lot of TV. I like TV, which, oh, by the way, I started watching the Hillary Clinton four-part documentary. I really like What's it. What's that so, on? Hulu. Oh. Ooh, I need to watch that. Yeah, I watched too. the first two episodes, and it's really good. But anyway, it's, like, whatever I'm, like – consumed with I just want to be like only doing that and nothing else but I've actually read a lot of books this month uh the the latest two that I read were I read Purple Hibiscus which was my I saw I loved it so much it was seriously so good like so so good so highly recommend I gave it five stars I just really really liked it wow I need to give that author another try. I I have like this bad memory from high school. I forget what book I read, but even reading, I feel like I might even need to read that last book that we read from that author. I forget what the title of it was, but. Americana. Yeah. I just reading the book, just the fact that it was her name. I remember hating that book so much in high school Hmm. and I need to like let that go because she is a really good author, but I am not giving her the credit that she deserves. Go back and read her stuff again, because I, like, everything I've read or watched by her, I know I've said this before, but I just, like, idolize her. I think she's amazing. All of your thoughts about her has made me rethink my thoughts about her. Yeah, and then the other one I read, I finally read White Fragility, and that, it was really good. Oh, that's on my list. Highly recommend that one. 
gives you a lot to think about for sure as a white person and like the role you play in white supremacy and racism and systemic racism especially but mm-hmm. it was really good awesome i also read white fragility since last book club and i read um how to be an anti-racist i think i might have brought it up on the last one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also read um, Daisy Jones and the Six. That's been a pick so many times. I know. I finally read it. I think I actually gave all three of those books four stars. I really liked all of them. I would definitely recommend all of them. Daisy Jones and the Six, I could not put down. Like, it was so good. Yeah. That's promising. I'm really happy I finally read it like white fragility and how to be an anti-racist are on my hold on Libby right now and they're like weeks and weeks and weeks out so I'm like okay (laughs) I did finally finish I don't know if you remember I think I mentioned this because I was just editing that episode the unwanted guest episode I was like I'm reading ninth house by Lee Bardugo well I just finished it (laughs) (laughs) I had like returned it and I didn't get it back because I was reading other things and I was like okay let's just like it's available I'm gonna check it out on Libby and then I'm gonna finish it and it was a little long but I really liked it it's more of like her adult book than her normal like YA um I really liked it I think I gave it a I think I gave it a four stars so I recommend if you're into like fantasy supernatural slight horror books Hmm. I've also read several books (laughs) since last time I Finished out the series by Jenny Han, like to all the boys I've loved before. Oh. I read the last one. Are which the other cute good? I read the first one and I loved it, but I never read the others. Are they good? Oh yeah, I liked them, and um, I've watched both of the movies as oh. well, which are cute. It's a cute oh. series. I've only watched the first one. I started watching the second one. I don't know. It was kind of slow moving, so I haven't gone back to it yet. The books are definitely better, but that's almost always the right. case, I think. But right. <laughs> yeah, I recommend the books. I I think they're cute. And they're fast, easy, mm. fast, easy read. Um, and then uh, I read some others in there too, but I f- I'm most excited because I finally started reading All the Single Ladies by Rebecca Traster. It's been on my shelf for like, it forever and I'm reading that and so I'm really excited. I just looked awesome. at that book the other day. I have Lynn sitting next to my bed for probably a year, maybe <laughs> three. I, I I don't even know. It's been oh, a while. Yeah. I think it's more like three. <laughs> yeah. I I did not forget. <laughs> it's cool. I I have two copies of it, so I'm good. <laughs> you you say that every time. I'm just gonna continue to remind you that I didn't forget that it's your book and I have it and it's sitting there. I just haven't read it yet. <laughs> no, take your time. It's that's how I get six books that I'm currently reading because when I'm reading one book, I'm like, but I have so many other books I need to read. <laughs> Are we ready to pick our next book? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Although I'm still having trouble deciding which one. No, I don't know either mm-hmm. yet. I, I'm I, I'm like not sold on my choice now. Same. Well, you can go last and you see what everyone else says and then see if that... And then maybe I'll just say it. me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pick which one I like. <laughs> All right. So this month's uh, genre pick was mine. And I chose uh, Young Adult, written by a person of color. 
um, mostly because I love young adult books and they're usually fast and entertaining uh, reads. And with the Black Lives Matter and everything happening in our climate right now, I wanted to try to, you know, read books by different sorts of authors than maybe are sometimes mainstream. Mm-hmm. And there's been a whole bunch of book lists out there that I've seen. And I had recently added a whole bunch of books that I wanted to read um, by people of color that I'd seen online. And so, yes, very difficult choice. I also had didn't know what I was going to pick until mm-hmm. like five minutes ago. I just finally decided. <laughs> but I'll tell you mine first since I chose the genre. Then you guys get a couple extra minutes to pick. <laughs> <laughs> so I am choosing The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. So the description says, a young girl in Harlem discovers slam poetry as a way to understand her mother's religion and her own relationship to the world. Uh, Ziomaro Batista feels unheard and unable to hide in her Harlem neighborhood. Ever since her body grew into curves, she has learned to let her fists and her fierceness do the talking. But Ziomara has plenty she wants to say, and she pours all her frustration and passion onto the pages of a leather notebook, reciting the words to herself like prayers, especially after she catches feelings for a boy in her bio class named Aman, who her family can never know about. With mommy's determination to force her daughter to obey the laws of the church, Ziomara understands that her thoughts are best kept to herself. So when she's invited to join her school's slam poetry club, she doesn't know how much She doesn't know how she could ever attend without her mommy finding out, much less speak her words out loud. But still, she can't stop thinking about performing her poems because in the face of a world that may not want to hear her, Ziamara refuses to be silent. And this is um, a poetry book as well. It's written in verse. So I thought that might be interesting. Oh, cool. I I didn't come across that one. I love books written in verse. So I'm excited about this. Yeah. Yeah, same. Uh, my pick is You Should See Me in a Crown by Leah Johnson. That's my pick. I was wondering if it was someone else's pick. <laughs> Yay. Wait, I had your pick last time. Yeah. Oh. I did. Okay, so um, this is a 4.36 rating. And the book description is Liz Lighty has always believed she's too black, too poor, too awkward to shine in her small, rich, prom-obsessed Midwestern town. But it's okay. Liz has a plan that will get her out of Campbell, Indiana forever. Attend the uber-elite Pennington College, play in the world-famous orchestra, and become a doctor. But when the financial aid she was counting on unexpectedly falls through, Liz's plans come crashing down until she's reminded of her school's scholarship for prom king and queen. There's nothing Liz wants to do less than endure a gauntlet of social media trolls, catty competitors, and humiliating public events. But despite her devastating fear of the spotlight, she's willing to do whatever it takes to get to Pennington. The only thing that makes it halfway bearable is the new girl in school, Mac. She's smart, funny, and just as much of an outsider as Liz. But Mac is also in the running for queen. Will falling for the competition keep Liz from her dreams or make them come true? All right, I have my book choice officially. Okay. So this book, it's by an author that I have told you guys about that I love, Angie Thomas. She wrote The Hate You Give. Mm -hmm. And this book is called On the Come Up. So it's 16-year-old Brie wants to be one of the greatest rappers of all time, or at least make it out of her neighborhood one day. As the daughter of an underground rap legend who died before he 
he hit big. Bree's got big shoes to fill. But now that her mom has unexpectedly lost her job, food banks and shut off notices are as much a part of Bree's life as beats and rhymes. With bills piling up and homelessness staring her family down, Bree no longer just wants to make it. She has to make it. On the come up is Angie Thomas's homage to hip hop, the art that sparked her passion for storytelling and continues to inspire her to this day. And I'll just stop there. I think that's enough. <laughs> that sounds I remember good. seeing that one when I was looking. So I think this is the one I want to pick. Black Boy White School by Brian F. Walker. I think I have that one on my list. I definitely saw that one. So it's only a 3.83 rating, which is like a little bit lower than we normally do, but it sounds really interesting to me. It doesn't have that many um, ratings. No, it only has 614 ratings and only 130 reviews, but it says it was written or it was published in 2012. So I don't know. The synopsis says, in a hard-hitting novel about fitting in or not, Anthony Ant Jones gets transported from his East Cleveland, Cleveland reference, East Cleveland hood to an almost all white prep school and has to figure out where he belongs before he loses himself entirely. Black Boy White School is a memorable debut that will appeal to fans of Walter Dean Myers and Sherman Alexie. And that the Sherman Alexie reference sold me here because I really liked that book Um, The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian. So then it says, Anthony has never been outside his rough neighborhood when he receives a scholarship to Belton Academy, an elite prep school in Maine. But at Belton, things are far from perfect. Everyone calls him Tony, assumes he's from Brooklyn, expects him to play basketball, and yet acts shocked when he fights back. As Anthony tries to adapt to a world that will never fully accept him, he's in for a rude awakening. Home is becoming a place where he no longer belongs. Okay, Anthony might find a way to survive at Belton, but what will it cost him? No, I like that one. But I'm going to do Lee's thing, and I'm going to say I hope it's not mine. (laughs) (laughs) I actually kind of hope it is mine this time. It, like, takes a little bit of the pressure off when somebody else also (laughs) has the pick. It's both of our responsibility if it's not good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They all sound really good. I'm excited for whoever gets picked. Yeah, me too. I was really excited about this genre, Joe. This is like, yes. like my dream type of book to read. Mm. Like I love reading this kind of book. Same. Well, Same. I'm very happy about it. <laughs> I could yeah. read multicultural YA all the time. Okay. I don't know if we can see, but no. Okay. Sorry. You'll just have to trust me. <laughs> I'm open up to the screen, but it just looks... Uh. A really bright. Okay. <laughs> I'm pressing start. Okay, it's spinning, spinning. And Black Boy White School. Oh, no. oh. <laughs> oh she was worried about hers getting picked. I think it will be good though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like obviously really want to read it. That's why I picked it. But just because it's a little bit lower rated, I just am a little worried, but it's okay. I mean, I'm really excited to read it. I feel like if you say, I don't want it to be mine, it's going to be yours. You're so right. That happens every time. 
think about how many times Lee's got picked. <laughs> I know. And like every time I said I didn't want it to get picked and it, it got picked so many times. <laughs> this is shorter too. It's only like 250 pages. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. So we recommend 19 minutes with an asterisk and then we'll see you back next month when we discuss black boy, white school. Bye. 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 Cheers to another book club. Cheers. Cheers.